You're listening to Cultivation Elevated, hosted by Michael Williamson, where we discuss vertical farming and the future of cannabis and food production. You'll be learning key insights for vertical farming success from leading industry operators, growers, and executives. If you're a grower or owner looking to optimize your existing or new indoor cultivation facility, or anyone looking to cultivate more in less space, we've got you covered. Cultivation Elevated, sponsored by Pip Particulture. Hello and welcome to another episode of Cultivation Elevated. I'm your host, Michael Williamson, with my co-host here, Anders Peterson, and we're in Las Vegas, Nevada at Stackhouse with Nick Reese, GM and Director of Cultivation for Stackhouse. Hey, welcome guys. Excited to have you here. Thanks Very excited. Yeah, the hospitality has been great today, yep. so thanks for squeezing us in. Happy to. It's not every, we get to go to a lot of cultivation facilities, but it's not every day that we go to a cultivation facility quite like this. Yeah, this is a, a rather unique flagship facility where we're utilizing different equipment than has been in, in the space before. Our facility is not too large. The warehouse is, about, call it 15,000 square feet. Within that though, we are utilizing AgriFi vertical farming units we call them VFU or just grow boxes. That's a self-contained unit that has environmental controls, fertigation, all that to contain and grow that genetic with its optimal environments. So gone are the days where you have to pile multiple cultivars into one room and treat them all as one uniform you know, strain. Um, if you have a finicky OG that doesn't like a lot of light, well, now you can give that unit that light and not have to put it next to some, you know, heavy hitter 707 or something that can eat up whatever you put at it. So we're able to do that. We have 132 of those grow boxes right now. Those allow us to have about 8,600 square feet of canopy space because there's two tier and we have them stacked to uh, two boxes stacked. I'm targeting uh, about 32 plants to 36 plants in each box. We've done two harvests now. We have had test results back on our, it wasn't a R&D harvest, it was just our initial one. We loaded five units, had about 28 plants in there, um, and we were pretty happy with that. Mostly for our first run, we were able to pull down some good weight. We're hitting an eight pound kind of average out of these things out the gate. And that's on a four by eight footprint? Yep, uh, two four by eights. Yep, so the total, the total footprint is 64 square feet. So you're about, that you're about two pounds per light, if you were to look at it from that perspective? Yeah. And we're keeping our plant count, yeah, trying to keep our plant count pretty low. We, our team, we're a new company. I've been involved with this company from, for almost two years now, managing the, the build out and the construction. It was very challenging. Uh, doing building. It was a unique methodology. Building indoor cultivation facilities is already a new application for mechanical engineers and architects. This is even a derivation off of that with the VFUs. It's a little bit, nothing wildly different about it, just a different, yeah. you know, the infrastructure needed. I love that you said that, it, Anders, because, uh, you know, it is like, you can build a building, but building indoor cultivation comes with some, some quirks, uh, an example, they used some brass fittings on some fertigation ports that ran RO water. That's a big, yeah, that's a big yeah. worry. So they had to go back, re remove all of those, put stainless steel in, or using clear PEX yeah. for fertigation. Yeah. Um, 
And so a lot of that too is not for lack of uh, lack of skill, but lack of direction, or maybe just you know the blueprint from the start. Well, so new all of this too. Yeah. If you really put it in perspective, how long agriculture and farming has been a thing, and we now talk about how many square feet of indoor, completely controlled environment and cultivation facilities there are, it's a relatively new thing in the grand scheme yeah. of things. And a lot of things are still to be learned. And everyone's figuring this out. You know, it's, it's innovation at its finest right now. And then add the complexity of cannabis and local compliance yes. laws on top of maintaining, you know, building it. So it, it is, it's, it's quite a cluster of, you know, chaos, to be honest, to get yeah. these things operational. Because you just have so many governing agencies you have to deal with on top of making sure your internal structure is right, planning and everything like that. So it is a big puzzle, but that's, I absolutely love the challenge of it. And and being involved as a grower from someone who I'm no one's cousin or whatever, I started at the very bottom scrubbing plastic pots out by the railroad tracks in August in Vegas and just making like 10 bucks an hour, you know, just doing it, wondering why I was doing this. But I love the plant, this plant. That's why we do it. That's why I do it is the focus should be on the plant. You have a a good quote that I like that it's, I'm not addicted to cannabis. I'm addicted to growing cannabis. Yes, that is what's addictive. I think the side effect is just, you know, the good sweet herb, but the, uh, the growing it, that's, it's super addictive because it's just, it never stops. It's, you well, can so always it's something it. new every day. Like it's, yeah. that's what I like about it is that you get, you get a new challenge, some new thing to tackle every day you come into the facility. At least that's one of the things that's continued to grow my passion. Yep. It's, I like to tell people a lot that it's like chess. Uh, it's the same game. You're playing chess, but just like anyone who's played chess, the strategy the pieces, the movements, all different. And it's very much like chess, whereas you can make moves, but you best, if you want to be successful, understand what you need to do five, 10 moves out from there to ensure that you have, you know, space in a dry room, enough people to process that material so it doesn't sit. You're going to get it sold, you're going to get it tested. You know, there's a lot of those things that come into play. That's the big picture thing of organizing a garden, mostly at large scale. And you came in mid-design, so you weren't in from the earliest days of design, so you kind of um, inherited other people's decisions as well, which is challenging as an operator. Yeah, thankfully I was mid enough that I was, I didn't have much involvement with like the AgriFi layout and all of that infrastructure. However, there was quite a void in the dry room and the fertigation room, and that's where you know, that fertigation layout is much my design. Same with the dry rooms, a three equal room, allowing us to load with a bye week and having an extra overfill, common with dry rooms. But we are quite limited with space. That's one of the things we're hiring right now for our post-production trim and packaging. Our cultivation team is about 12 people. That also kind of includes some like trim transfer people that move into cultivation as well. But our real challenge is gonna be in our post-production and just the space we have here where we're gonna fit the bodies. So we're gonna to have to do, you know, multiple um, uh, teams of trimmers. Multiple so shifts. A, yeah, sure. Yes, that's the yep. Yeah, an A, B. We don't wanna do 24 hour, but I've worked at facilities where we've had 24 hour packaging. I've done it, it's a little rough from a management is, standpoint. Yep, it, it's an interesting uh, caliber of human being that is interested <laughs> in working at like, 10 p.m. to yeah. 6 a.m. I, I learned. It's, yeah. 
Well, it's interesting the the VFUs, it allows you to have a lot of flexibility per cultivar, mm -hmm. uh, tailor the environment, lighting levels, even fertigation recipes. Yeah. However, you still have to harvest a certain number of them to make it efficient for your dry room. Yes. And so do you have, I know this, you're all on the first couple harvests, I've started to dial in, like I need to pull down at least this many VFUs to keep my dry cure efficient. Yeah, so we have 132 and I've broken those into 10 zones. And so we have four zones. So, you know, A, B, C, D, and E matching floor Two one. Yep. Yeah. And so A and B has uh, 12 units, C, D, and E have 14 units. Okay. And so outside of that first five unit harvest, it's, it's almost a challenge in the reverse of, do we have enough room to put this many plants in that 14 by 14 dry room? The vertical space is what gets us that. The dry flower has been phenomenal and that, you know, we can actually mitigate a few more things. It's that challenge that you'd mentioned about Nevada. We have some very strict testing. And so that's where there's a fine dance of how much can I push it and push the equipment and the load and how dense can I get things before I jeopardize the risk of failing testing. And as we know, microbials and those thresholds you just need to get it started and it can, two days you can be out of control. We work, you know, state to state, country to country, both from PIP and as ex-operators. And, and it's so interesting when I'm looking at resumes, typically for like emerging states on the East Coast, and no offense to California, but when I see resume from a, a grower from California, I look at that through a different lens than when I look at a grower who's been operating in Nevada. Mm -hmm. I know that the, the rules are a lot stricter here and it's a little bit more loose in California. And so as I look at a new emerging state on the East Coast with stricter, tighter rules, if all skill set is the same, I'm probably gonna opt for the Nevada person from a compliance and just like that discipline yeah. that you have to have here to be an operator yeah. and, and legally sell your product. And that's one of the things we were talking about with, with the team. And that is the importance about having a team that is unified and has the same goals in mind. Not everyone that comes to work at a facility cares about the facility. Depends on how they're treated, depends on kind of what they get. I, as uh, in my position, I don't want to be a boss. I want to be a leader. I very much take pride on never asking something of my team that I wouldn't do myself. Typically, I like to do it first myself. That test zone, those five units, those were my units. No one watered them. They did a little bit of plant work, but I needed to show my team, this is what we'll do. This is the standard we'll create. It's not about being my way. My way has been fairly successful, um, but it's not my way. We need to, as a team, have the way we do things. It happens to be very much influenced by my way, but it's not my way. I'm very open to adjusting things that make sense. But there needs to be a way or the way we do things because you bring people and operators from different facilities and it could be very useful. They might work with a whole perfect example, these equipment. They might be in a traditional rolling tables. Well, now that was that way. Yeah. The way there doesn't is not the way here. And so we have to do things differently. We're not, you know, chandelier or lollipopping our our uh, our trim. We don't trim the lowers like we used to. The way we top is very different. Yeah, now with that inner canopy lighting. Well, it's it's yeah. a different system. So like they might have some really good alcohol experience and but you know it, you gotta all be on the same path yeah. to be successful. And it's not like it's it's your 
you're being, you're leading by example more yeah. than anything. And it's respect, you know, these, uh, as someone who has been at the lower end of a cultivation position, like that's also very unique about what we have here. This is truly a grower operated facility. I have worked to the position to run the grow here and I'm a grower. I'm not, for lack of better word, a suit that is up here. I have to do that stuff and it's almost a fight to kind of keep me in that mindset, but it's important because people rely on my planning and my strategy for their job. But it's about respect. It's about, you know, paying people right, not trying to pay them as little as you can. As someone who's managed teams and dealt with turnover, I'm very intimately aware of how challenging turnover can be. You can, yeah. So yeah, pay that person maybe $2 more could change the game for them. And it will save you money because turning over employment in a cultivation is so hard, no matter what, whether it's crazy stuff like what we have here, or if it's an outdoor, you're just sun grown. Every spot you go to is a learning curve in how the equipment work, their practices, that facilities the way you have to, it takes time. And so now you pull other cultivators to teach them that way and they get less productive because they're busy training new people. And it's just, you wanna keep your team, you wanna build a family. This, what a farm should be is an intimate team that's invested. So when they see a dead leaf that's about to fall or if they see a dirty glove, they want to pick it up because they care. Not like, hey, screw these guys, they don't even care about me, so I'm not gonna care about them. It's amazing what a massive issue this is in the cannabis industry. It, it, it takes one, so much time having to retrain someone and get them up to speed and get them ingratiated into the team. It's, it's your time, it's the team's time, and every time you lose someone, it's costing a lot of money, yeah. a lot of time. Headache. We'll turn the camera off and be done with it. And then I'll have like a more candid conversation. I'm like, so what is like your biggest real challenge here? And sometimes people don't want to say that on, yeah. on, you know, yeah. on a recorded thing. But I would say nine out of 10 times from a leadership role like yourself, they're like, I've, I've lost the respect of my team. They blame me for all kinds of stuff that's not yeah. really in my control. But a lot of it is like, we lack culture. We oh, lack yeah. this, uh, this is the way. This yeah. is how Stackhouse does business. Yeah. And that is the culture aspect. That's what we're trying to bring in. And we're trying to set a blueprint for people. We get noticed because of our unique facility. We're gonna utilize that and capitalize on that attention. We're already producing good quality flour. However, I'm not naive. A lot of people can produce really good flour. There's, you guys produce great flour. Every grower that wants to, and if they put in the work, which it might not be the first time, but they can grow amazing plants. This is not a rocket science job. To do it at scale and to keep a team involved and keep success and pass rates of testing, that becomes more tricky. In well, and the growing part is one part, right? It's like, yeah. can you also be really good at drying, curing, packaging, preservation? Compliance. Yeah, but, you know. I, I talk about four pillars of cultivation. Like to be really successful, you have to have quality, quantity, consistency, and efficiency. Yeah. If you can hit all four of those pillars time and time again, right? That's that's the key to success. Yeah. But the culture is a big part. I mean, not to be too much of a suit myself, but I'm a numbers guy. I like, it's. I love the plant. I'm a biologist by trade, but we also have to make it a profitable business. And when you look at the cost of production, labor is the highest cost of producing a pound of cannabis. 
And how can you do that in a more efficient way? Well, one of the best ways is to have your team love what they do, enjoy the culture of coming to work, they end up being more productive and your costs go down. And just instilling a good culture is more than, you know, it, it actually just helps the entire business ecosystem yeah. at the end of the day. Of course. I mean, happy employees. Like, it, yeah, I love, because there's an energy we all are aware of, you know, whether you're woo-woo hippie and energy's everything or you don't believe much of it, there's an energy that's presented by people interacting. If your team has negative energy, of course, that's going to affect the plants. It's going to affect them. I've worked at facilities where I've seen cultivators spend 20 to 30 percent of their brain capacity so worried about how that manager is going to walk through that door and what kind of day they're going to bring them that they're messing up because their focus, their focus isn't on doing their work because they're so worried about the energy and the stress and how it can be. And that's also what I believe around a plant. If it's around an environment where people are just constantly, they're just not happy. Like, I believe it'll show. That, that. correlation between employee well-being and mentality and plant health is really correlated. If you have crop after crop of just botrytis or powdery mildew, I mean, the labor spikes big time because everybody's moving yeah. slow. Everyone's frustrated. Nobody wants to breathe in that stuff. So it just starts to cause like this compounding issues on labor. But the moment you you fix that problem, maybe you even have a new variety. Sometimes people just get burnt out on yeah. a cultivar and all of a sudden yeah. you give them something new to trim. Oh, they're excited. Or if it's like, you know, beautiful, all of a sudden the labor efficiencies tick up, people are in a better mood. Yeah. It's tough. It's, it's hard to control all these things at once. Yeah, it is. And it, uh, I like to be transparent. I like to, my team knows what I do. My team knows a lot of our numbers. My team knows sometimes I'll even share our, what the power bill cost this month. You know, there's nothing, you know, proprietary about these things. Everyone knows it's like invested in the process and it makes them realize like, whoa, there are so many more steps to all these things, the relationships we have to create. And then two, the back to the energy. This is the best job in the world for me. I love it. I still can't believe that I get paid to do this. I love it. And I mean, mostly from top down, it should go that way is I've seen it time and time again. Passion is contagious. And so is energy. My team comes in and they have someone who's in charge of this thing. And they, and I mean, I'm not a hundred percent all the time. I get tired because I work a lot, but I'm, you're, you're a dad. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so it's just, I get spread pretty thin, but when they come up to me and they're like, Oh, sorry to bother you. No, you're not a mother. This is a job. Like, what's up? Like, this is awesome. Let's freaking do this thing. Let's make something awesome. Like, or questions with that. And two, you list, you got to listen to people. Like whether their ideas are valid or you have a trimmer coming from left field, giving you something, you're like, how did you even come up with that? You know, still don't make them feel stupid. Like, cause then they're, they're going to feel like that and not feel valued. Like, and you got to have a team that feels valued because they are valuable. Without your team, these gardens don't work. As much as the big money likes to think that you can automate things quickly, real quickly. A perfect example is uh, a machine trimmer. I'm not knocking machine trimmers. There's an absolute place and a purpose for a machine trimmer. What we are trying to target with our flower and the kind of boutique quality of it, and we don't get, this isn't a clout thing, but we don't get much B grade. And so... We don't really want a trimmer in that sense because we want to keep that that hand trimmed to it. Yeah. 
But when the owner sees, hey, let's just buy a trimmer, that's a couple thousand, few thousand dollars and we're good. Yes, but no. Now we need technicians who can, are gonna need to be paid more because they need to know how to work this equipment. You have to clean it. And that's the biggest thing is people don't realize equipment has to be cleaned. Uh, mostly post harvest equipment. You can't just keep dumping your stuff. We test for aspergillus here. You run one bud that has aspergillus and it just goes through there and gets all those blades. And now you could lose, you could fell pounds and pounds. Now your $1,800 a pound crop goes to two to four. Shifting gears a little bit, tell me or tell our audience a little bit about your kind of mother veg clone setup through PIP because awesome. it's kind of unique and we're yeah. big advocates for double stacking mothers as well. Yeah. So that's been critical for our space. Um, you know, we now have like the, the oh no worries, uh, it's like 1300 square feet or something in that room. But with the two racks, um, it gives us, yeah, we've got all the room we need mostly to fill what we have here we it's been kind of a play on how we structure that and the racking system has been critical for us to be able to play for our load now we've got it set down you saw it we're still kind of sorting out some of our phenotype genetics and stuff so we've had some mixed stuff down on the lower but typically we'll have our whole lower set up for those one gallons that you saw all the empty tables those will be loaded in they need a little bit more humidity from that our broom layout stratification, but the pit racking's been amazing. Um, not even just saying it because you guys are here. I've had <laughs> other racking where you've got to get, like the one racking I was at in the facility before, I'm not weak, but it was an effort to get yeah, these. Sure. Typically it was two people would have to grab these things on metal caster wheels, just weighed a ton. On like a V-groove track yeah, or something? Just a ton. Yeah, just the, the triangle. Uh, yeah, you're, you're running a pretty cool mixed nursery layout where you have a whole wall of clone racks mm -hmm. and then you, most of your moms you're keeping on the upper tier yeah. and then all of your veg plants down below and then rotating it through and and what's it's really cool is you can utilize that mixed use nursery for pheno hunting with mm -hmm. these VFUs a little bit easier yeah as you can keep those phenotypes in, in its own little environment to maximize yeah. you know its expression well, and the facility I was managing before had a very small mom and prop room yeah. to where we, which I'm grateful for now because it helped me really dial in, reflipping my genetics. You know, we're cloning for mom. So we clone 10, transplant the best five, keep the best three, and you do it over and over again to keep your genetic there until you want to pull from it, up, pot it into five gallons. And again, the, that chess game, well, if we're going to take, you know, 400 cuts of, Shake Shack or something, I best be getting on that a couple months and, and you know before and make sure I've got a few five gallons ready to go that are going to produce a hundred cuts each or so. So you also did something that's interesting that I'm seeing actually a little bit more of, and you know I think all growers go through this stage early on is like you know let's say you started with a five gallon pot and flower, mm -hmm. and then you transition to a three after you realize just how much substrate and how yeah. heavy it is and all this stuff, and then you really start evaluating your root mass. And you're like, wow, it's really not quite as full as I was hoping for. Um, and then the three gallon people go down to a two, and then every now and then the two gallon people go down to a one gallon. And you're one of you're yeah. one of about three facilities I've seen in, in 2023 that are flowering successfully in a one gallon. Yeah, it was uh, a little bit of that. Like the facility before, I was in a five gallon root pouch pot, and just 
that was not by my choice. Um, it was just way too much, way too overkill for the duration. I like to put my mom still in a five gallon. I give them a lot of time. It also is strategic for my watering, for my cultivators, trying to think about them. You know, if we have even those big five gallon pots, if that thing gets real big, it's going to take two waterings a day. So there's a lot of the watering strategy in the pit on the racking in mom room for when we up pot two to try to buy time for you know more important work to be done all right this one's getting a little big so let's pot it now we can water every other day for the next week and then we're going to go to one watering and by then we'll be cycling it through and continuing to do it that way uh, but we are yeah we're flowering in a 3.8 liter fabric pouch that was mainly kind of because I want, I need my plants to stay somewhat small. Um, we're seeing not really a lot of root problems because it is fabric, but on one strain, uh, sugarcane, we saw some gutation towards the end. Yeah. And that typically is that root pressure. And I, I imagine it's because it's fairly root bound towards the end there. That's in-house. In-house genetics, yep. Slurricane. Yep, slurricane and platinum cross. And it's just stunning. Our THC came out a little low on some of the pheno hunts. We also are working with some moisture. Our moisture and our testing was still a little high and, you know, moisture is equated. Yep. And so, again, there's that dance of if we don't want to go too dry here in Nevada, because that's one of the biggest complaints as having access to Treehouse, our dispensary over the last year or two, I've tried a lot of flour and it's not always the, the brand's challenge because it could go into a vault at a dispensary that's 20 percent humidity and hot you know um, and so yeah dry dusty crumbly bud is something you're it's a little too common in nevada yeah, you're trying to pull down i think most states require a moisture content lower than 14 percent to actually 15, yeah. 15 okay and and for people listening it's a game where the higher the moisture content you have more sellable weight yeah. right on your on your books but then the the more you dry it back lower moisture content it tests higher yeah. on a lab test because you have less water per gram to dilute that dilute percent THC. Yeah. and so for here i would suspect you're you're wanting to actually chop at as high of a moisture content as you can because as it sits on that shelf it's going to start dropping yeah but it's going to test lower exactly. so it's a vicious game you're playing and that's where i so. like to Environments are important across the board. You never stop worrying about your environment until it's in the customer's hand, then it's yeah. their challenge. You know, <laughs> if I were to have a choice, it would sit in a nice 40 to 50% humidity and 65 degrees till the moment you grabbed it, you know, yeah. at the shop and everything. And we try to do that here, our dry rooms, uh, of oh, course. Yeah. The trim room though, um, for example, we had a couple rainy days. Well, I walk into my trim room and I'm like, team, does anyone notice how stinking thick it is in here? Like, no, is it a problem? I was like, look at the hygrometer. It is 70% humidity in that room because we have recirculation too. So it doesn't strip as much. And it's just that one. It's like, this is, this is not good. So yeah, we bring a DHU in and, and we manage our rooms through the vault. Like the vault is climate controlled, humidity, you know, we, we either supplement or decrease. And so, yeah, it's, uh, it's the full package. It doesn't ever stop, you know. Yeah, we touched base on that a little bit earlier and it was like 
people don't realize that indoor buildings have seasonality. It was like you were highlighting, well, there's a bay door over there and it's south facing and guess what? This whole fertigation room will heat up if we don't you know, have this solution in yep. place. And so sometimes people think, oh, it's indoor, so it's all protected and it should be very consistent. But depending on where you're at, especially when you start talking about desert climates mm -hmm. and we get these extreme you know, winter to summer differences, yeah. You might have to adapt or change your building uh, or how your internal climate is in even yeah. ancillary spaces just to maintain the shelter. in your VFUs or in the room, it's going to yeah. change seasonally. You're going big time. In Nevada, we have, like you said, we have such dramatic swings. We don't, you know, it's, it's, it's pros and cons to every space. Like we have fairly dramatic swings. We have the drive, but also we don't have the bug issues because not a lot of stuff can survive this place. So... You know, but there are still plenty. Like I, I have a lot of plants at my house. Um, this year, my zinnias are just getting decimated by thrips and um, and just whatever else. But it's, so they're not, not present, but they're a little less active typically. We've had a, a very strong El Nino, El Nino year this year, which throws things into different whack, like that rain episode. Well, now where I'm usually trying to keep that dry back there, now they trimmed for a day almost in 70% humidity. Now I'm actually kind of worried because now it's too wet. It's like it's re-moistening. Very much so, yeah, because it just went from a 45, 50% dry room and it was kind of a longer, like one, it wasn't the first cut that was uh, trimmed. And so it hung in there, it's got it, and then it went back in there, hydrated, went in turkey bags. And when I burped those bags, like, yeah, this is wet, you know. But it, we burped it, burped it, did two-day burpings, got it, passed testing and stuff, so we we're happy about that. Everybody should have some portable dehues for rolling into different exactly. spaces from time to time. Yeah, Playing electrical for it, be able to pull them into spaces. Big time, thank you. Yes, people, uh, if you have the ability to structure these facilities from the development stage, you have to have redundancies and you have to have variants for your power supply a shop vac when you first plug that shop back in can be nine amps you know yeah. like and that can pop breakers quick and yeah that can be a real headache if you're running extension cores all over the place trying to find something that won't pop <laughs> i know it's a never-ending conversation and we could go on for a long time but uh, my last question for today and i hope that we can continue to do these yeah. as we come to vegas yeah, too but vegas um too. Where can people find your product? And you highlighted Treehouse a little bit more, but can you tell, tell us a little yeah. bit more about Treehouse? Yeah, so yeah, thanks for that. Um, so Treehouse is our dispensary. It's just on uh, Decatur and Harmon in Las Vegas. So it's not too far from the Strip. We're a smaller shop that services locals mainly, um, but we're trying to build our, our footprint here. Stackhouse has been the brand that we're looking to, to tie it to, and it's been a long time coming this has been a little bit overdue um, for supporting the the shop so we will have exclusivity at that shop on a lot of stack house products when we do pheno releases stuff like that we've got some really cool partnerships in play um, right now we're talking with john carlos who does migars um, we're talking with a couple uh a labs in nevada that are very that produce some awesome work and so we uh are looking to launch stack house the first of October. So nice. we have product now. We're doing some house brand release. Um, right now, like we're bagging up that sugar cane, trying to get it out to our shop. It's just gonna be done under white label, under Vatalistic Shop or Treehouse. And our jars, packaging, everything's getting lined up. We're getting ready to do a pretty big launch party in October. We'll send you guys an invite nice. out if you wanna come yeah. in. And 
It must be exciting, man. It's it's been a long road to get there. And now to actually see the product in a branded jar on your shelf and have the ability to release your phenos to the customers to get feedback, that must be very fulfilling. It's a, it really is a dream. I'm from Utah, born and raised in Utah. I was raised in Mormon culture. So just to, to create this brand from scratch and just have the opportunity to seize and put the work in because it's been an ungodly amount of work to get here but um but i love it and that's why i continue to do it and that's you know growing is not for everyone it's not a job most people want to be honest it's a job i want and i tell people find that job whatever it is i was making 10 bucks an hour scrubbing pots by the railroad tracks Sounds like a joke. In a van. Yeah. Almost, man. Almost. A beat up CRV. Um, the, uh, but because I loved it and because the plant saved my life, this plant means everything to me. And this plant is medicine and it needs to be treated like that. It needs to be. You know, we just do. It's basically like we've been talking. It's a casual conversation. We all want you to be authentically yourself as you as you are. I can I'm tell. Not too worried about it. I yeah. Saying, my wife's like, are you nervous? I'm like, no, we're talking about weed. Like, it's, it's a never ending conversation. It's always easy. Yeah. Easy. yeah the easy. hardest part yeah. for us is actually keeping it succinct because we just want to keep talking just to guys like you. Yeah. We Trust me, I'm talk. mad ADHD, so I. Yeah. firing everywhere I get on tangents totally. like crazy. Um, Michael, last pronunciation yep. is Reese. Yep, R-E-S. Yeah. Okay. And uh, Director of Cultivation, Director of Operations, uh, what's the current title? You can GM. GM? Yeah. Cool. I'll probably do an intro and then yeah. kind of go back GM Director of Cultivation because yeah. I like to make sure that still in the grill makes. Sure. But no CEO title ship. Yeah, yeah, I hear you on Screw that. that. I like that director kind of level myself. Yeah. I do the chief thing a little bit, but I hate it. I mean, it, it's okay. It's just it's the meetings are like, more boring. Yeah, sometimes it's like, all right, I need that title. Right in the center? In the center. Okay. Where am I at? You can sit right here, my boy, right there. Sweet. Okay. Cool. Let me lower this so I'm not just like a giant. I typically like to ask like some of the stats, like the I call it the vitals, like facility vitals. Shit. Like how big of a building are yep. we in? How much canopy do you have? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Just the general. Yeah. Yeah, just to kind of let the listeners, for me as a listener podcast, <laughs> you almost went down. Like yeah. to, <laughs> They're pretty smooth and new still. <laughs> I like to put it in perspective when people are listening to like what kind of facility we're in. And like, yeah. I'm way too tall. You want to? I feel yeah. Switch Should you? Chairs? Do you want to? Do you want to be in this one? Yeah, you're taller. Yeah, maybe it'll down. help level yeah, us out okay. a little bit. That probably okay. will actually balance out. How about we put you in the middle? Actually, you're the guy. All right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Actually, yeah. It's, yeah. I'm short. So no, this works out good. You guys are way taller than me. <laughs> How's that look for you? Looks good. It's crashless. Do you want to keep the door open or should we close it? I'll, cl- I'll close that. Okay. So, yeah, I, I, you know, I usually have people um, like paint a verbal imagery of where we are. Yep. You know, you can share whatever stats. You know, you like building size, canopy size, um, employee count is something people, you know, will talk yeah. about. Um, your predominantly cultivation, you're not doing extraction here currently? No. Yep. Just cultivation. Okay. Um, how long, you know, you've been here, blah, blah, blah. Um, and I'll just kind of jump into it. 
I took a few screenshots from some stuff earlier. You had so many comments today. It was really like, I think the stuff to talk to you about is just like the mentality. Of course. Um, I would, that's what I'd like to spread the most. Yeah. That's our, that's one of my main goals is to try to just, what we're trying to do here, maybe we save that, is to be a grower operated facility that can create a blueprint to show a lot of these companies that are coming in with maybe not so much culture or passion for the plant and let them see that you can keep that passion and still make an awesome. I liked company. one of your comments earlier. It was something along the lines of like, I want, I'm, I'm not, you know, it, it was like, well, some people are really like dictator leadership yeah. style where it's like, don't do this. But you, leader, you yeah. really are like more on the education empowerment side. Like, I want you to care about this place just as much yeah. as I do. Like, I want you to be held, holding everyone else to the same standards. It's not about yeah. me holding you to standards, it's about us holding each other yeah. to higher standards across the board. And I think that's super healthy. Yeah, some of the best facilities we go into is the whole team is bought into the mission. Yep, we have to be. Yeah, you complete buy-in. Like, everyone's working towards a singular goal. If someone just, something so simple as a... Okay, we are. Go. All right. Um, ba -ba -ba. Let's take some quick cheats. Testing, testing. Uh, What's up? Test, test. Hit that like button. I do want to subscribe. <laughs> <on YouTube. laughs> All right. Um, cool. All right, we're good. Cool. Let me put this in my pocket. And are where are we at? We're at, we're actually in Las Vegas proper, aren't we? Las Vegas. Yep, we're okay. uh, downtown Las Vegas, okay. just a little bit off the strip. And you would say Stackhouse. Stackhouse is our, uh, our brand, yep. Nevada Holistic Medicine is our parent company. It involves uh, also Vegas Treehouse, or okay. dispensary just up on Decatur. Nevada Holistic, I'm not gonna remember that. Yeah, I can remember. Stackhouse is a good one. I'll go Stackhouse, Stackhouse, but then we'll also talk about it in the end. Treehouse yeah. is, our, is our dispensary, yeah. yeah. And we'll talk about that too, because we want to like tell people where to find your products yeah, and stuff like that. That's right, good. yeah. All right, and this is my main? That's the main. Okay. Hello and welcome to another episode of Cultivation Elevated. I'm your host, Michael Williamson, with my co-host here, Anders Peterson, and we're in Las Vegas, Nevada at Stackhouse with Nick Reese, GM and Director of Cultivation for Stackhouse. Hey, welcome guys. Excited to have you here. Thanks Very excited. Yeah, the Very hospitality excited. has been great today, yep. so thanks for squeezing us in. Happy to. It's not every, we get to go to a lot of cultivation facilities, but it's not every day that we go to a cultivation facility quite like this. Yeah, this is a, a rather unique flagship facility where we're utilizing different equipment than has been in, in the space before. Um, our facility is not too large. The warehouse is, but call it 15,000 square feet. Within that though, we are utilizing AgriFi vertical farming units we call them VFU or just grow boxes. That's a self-contained unit that has environmental controls, fertigation, all that to contain and grow that genetic with its optimal environments. So gone are the days where you have to pile multiple cultivars into one room and treat them all as one uniform you know, strain. Uh, if you have a finicky OG that doesn't like a lot of light, well, now you can give that unit that light and not have to put it next to some, you know, heavy hitter 707 or something that can eat up whatever you put at it. So we're able to do that. We have 132 of those grow boxes right now. Um, those allow us to have about 8,600 square feet of canopy space because there's two tier and we have them stacked two uh, two boxes stacked. 
I'm targeting uh, about 32 plants to 36 plants in each box. We've done two harvests now. We have had test results back on our, it wasn't a R&D harvest, it was just our initial one. We loaded five units, had about 28 plants in there. Um, and we were pretty happy with that. Mostly for our first run, we were able to pull down some good weight. We're hitting an eight pound kind of average out of these things out the gate. And that's on a four by eight footprint? Yep, uh, two four by eights. Yep, so the total the total footprint is 64 square feet. So in, you're, about, that you're about two pounds per light if you were to look at it from that perspective? Yeah, and we're keeping our plant count, yeah, trying to keep our plant count pretty low. Um, we, our team, we're a new company. I've been involved with this company from for almost two years now, um, managing the, the build out and the construction. It was very challenging. Uh, doing building. It was a unique methodology. Building indoor cultivation facilities is already a new application for mechanical engineers yeah. and architects. This is even a derivation off of that with the VFUs, it's a little bit nothing wildly different about it just a different yeah you know, the infrastructure needed i love that you said that it honors because uh you know it is like you can build a building but building indoor cultivation comes with some some quirks uh an example they used some brass fittings on some fertigation ports that ran ro water that's a big yeah that's a big yeah worry so they had to go back re remove all of those put stainless steel in or using clear pecs for fertigation um, and so a lot of that too is not for lack of uh, uh, lack of skill but lack of direction or maybe just you know the blueprint from the start um, well, so new all of this too yeah. if you really put it in perspective how long agriculture and farming has been a thing and we now talk about how many square feet of indoor, completely controlled environment cultivation facilities there are, it's a relatively new thing in the grand scheme yeah. of things. And a lot of things are still to be learned and everyone's figuring this out. You know, it's, it's innovation at its finest right now. And then add the complexity of cannabis and local compliance yes. laws on top of maintaining, you know, building it. So it, it is, it's, it's quite a cluster of, you know, chaos, to be honest, to get yeah. these things operational because you just have so many governing agencies you have to deal with on top of making sure your internal structure is right, planning and everything like that. So it is a big puzzle, but that's, I absolutely love the challenge of it. And, and being involved as a grower from someone who I, you know, I'm no one's cousin or whatever. I started at the very bottom scrubbing plastic pots out by the railroad tracks in August in Vegas and just making like, 10 bucks an hour, you know, just doing it, wondering why I was doing this. But I love the plant, this plant, that's why we do it, that's why I do it, is Absolutely. the focus should be on the plant. You have a, a good quote that I like, that it's, I'm not addicted to cannabis, I'm addicted to growing cannabis. Yes, that is what's addictive. I think the side effect is just, you know, the good sweet herb, but the, uh, yeah. The growing it, that's, it's super addictive because it's just, it never stops. It's you can always something it. new every day. Like it's, yeah. that's what I like about it is that you get, you get a new challenge, some new thing to tackle every day you come into the facility. At least that's one of the things that's continued to grow my passion. Yep. It's, I like to tell people a lot that it's like chess. Uh, it's the same game. You're playing chess, but just like anyone who's played chess, the strategy 
the pieces, the movements, all different. And it's very much like chess, whereas you can make moves, but you best, if you want to be successful, understand what you need to do five, ten moves out from there to ensure that you have, you know, space in a dry room, enough people to process that material so it doesn't sit. You're going to get it sold. You're going to get it tested. You know, there's a lot of those things that come into play. That's the big picture thing of organizing a garden, mostly at large scale. And you came in mid-design, so you weren't in from the earliest days of design. So you kind of um, inherited other people's decisions as yeah. well, which is challenging as an operator. Yeah, thankfully I was mid enough that I was, um, I didn't have much involvement with like the AgriFi layout and all of that infrastructure. However, there was quite a void in the dry room and the fertigation room. And that's where, you know, that fertigation layout is much my design. Same with the dry rooms, um, a three equal room, allowing us to load with a bye week and having an extra overfill common with dry rooms. But we are quite limited with space. That's one of the things we're hiring right now for um, our post-production trim and packaging. Our cultivation team is about 12 people. Um, that also kind of includes some like trim transfer people that move into cultivation as well. But our real challenge is gonna be in our post-production and just the space we have here where we're gonna fit the bodies. So we're gonna to have to do, you know, multiple um, um, uh, uh, teams of trimmers. Multiple so shifts. A, yeah, sure. Yes, that's the yep. Yeah, and A, B, we don't wanna do 24 hour but I've worked at facilities where we've had 24-hour packaging. I've done it. It's a little rough from a management it standpoint. Yep. It, it, yeah. It's an interesting uh, caliber of human being that is interested <laughs> in working at like 10 p.m. to yeah. 6 a.m., I, I learned. It's, yeah. Well, it's interesting. The, the VFUs, it allows you to have a lot of flexibility per cultivar, mm -hmm. uh, tailor the environment, lighting levels, even fertigation recipes. Yeah. However, you still have to harvest a certain number of them to make it efficient for your dry room. Yes. And so do you have, I know this, you're all on the first couple harvests. I've started to dial in, like, I need to pull down at least this many BFUs to keep my dry cure efficient. Yeah. So um, in the, we have 132 and I've broken those into 10 zones. And so we have four zones. So, you know, A, B, C, D, and E matching floor Two one. Yep. Yeah. And so A and B has uh 12 units c d and e have 14 units okay. and so outside of that first five unit harvest it's it's almost a challenge in the reverse of do we have enough room to put this many plants in that 14 by 14 dry room the vertical space is what gets us that the dry flower has been phenomenal and that you know we can actually mitigate a few more things um it's that challenge that you'd mentioned about Nevada. We have some very strict testing. And so that's where there's a fine dance of how much can I push it and push the equipment and the load and how dense can I get things before I jeopardize the risk of failing testing. Um, and as we know, microbials and those thresholds, you just need to get it started and it can two days you can be out of control. We work you know, state to state, country to country, both from PIP and as ex-operators. And, and it's so interesting when I'm looking at resumes, typically for like emerging states on the East Coast, and no offense to California, but when I see a resume from a, a grower from California, I look at that through a different lens than when I look at a grower who's been operating in Nevada. Mm -hmm. 
I know that the the rules are a lot stricter here and it's a little bit more loose in California. And so as I look at a new emerging state on the East Coast with stricter, tighter rules, if all skill set is the same, I'm probably gonna opt for the Nevada person from a compliance and just like that that discipline yeah. that you have to have here to be an operator yeah. and, and legally sell your product. And that's one of the things we were talking about with with the team. And that is the importance about having a team that is unified and has the same goals in mind. Um, not everyone that comes to work at a facility cares about the facility. Depends on how they're treated, depends on kind of what they get. I, as uh, in my position, I don't want to be a boss. I want to be a leader. I want, uh, I very much take pride on never asking something of my team that I wouldn't do myself. Typically, I like to do it first myself. That test zone, those five units, those were my units. No one watered them. They did a little bit of plant work, but I needed to show my team, this is what we'll do. This is the standard we'll create. It's not about being my way. Um, my way has been fairly successful, um, but it's not my way. We need to, as a team, have the way we do things. It happens to be very much influenced by my way, but it's not my way. I'm very open to adjusting things that make sense, but there needs to be a way or the way we do things because you bring people and operators from different facilities and it could be very useful. They might work with a whole perfect example, these equipment. They might be in a traditional rolling tables. Well, now that was that way. Yeah. The way there doesn't is not the way here. And so we have to do things differently. We're not, you know, chandelier or lollipopping our, our, uh, our trim. We don't trim the lowers like we used to. The way we top is very different. Yeah, now with that inner canopy lighting. Well, it's it's yeah. a different system. So like they might have some really good alcohol experience and, but you know, it, you gotta all be on the same path yeah. to be successful. And it's not like it's, it's your, you're, being, you're leading by example more yeah. than anything. And it's respect, you know, these, uh, as someone who has been at the lower end of a cultivation position, like that's also very unique about what we have here. This is truly a grower operated facility. Yeah. I yeah. have worked to the position to run the grow here and I'm a grower. I'm not, for lack of better word, a suit that is up here. I have to do that stuff and it's almost a fight to kind of keep me in that mindset, but it's important because people rely on my planning and my strategy for their job. Um, but it's about respect. It's about, you know, pay, paying people right, not trying to pay them as little as you can. Um, as someone who's managed teams and dealt with turnover, I'm very intimately aware of how challenging turnover can be. You can. Yeah. So yeah, pay that person maybe $2 more could change the game for them. And it will save you money because turning over employment in a cultivation is so hard, no matter what, whether it's crazy stuff like what we have here, or if it's an outdoor, you're just sun grown. Every spot you go to is a learning curve in how the equipment work, their practices, that facilities the way you have to it takes time. And so now you pull other cultivators to teach them that way and they get less productive because they're busy training new people. And it's just, you wanna keep your team. You wanna build a family. This, what a farm should be is an intimate team that's invested. So when they see a dead leaf that's about to fall or if they see a dirty glove, 
they want to pick it up because they care not like hey screw these guys they don't even care about me so i'm not going to care about them it's amazing what a massive issue this is in the cannabis industry it, it, it takes one, so much time having to retrain someone and get them up to speed and get them ingratiated into the team it's it's your time it's the team's time and every time you lose someone it's costing a lot of money yeah. a lot of time Headache. We'll turn the camera off and be done with it and then I'll have like a more candid conversation. I'm like, so what is like your biggest real challenge here? And sometimes people don't want to say that on yeah. on you know yeah. on a recorded thing. But I would say nine out of ten times from a leadership role like yourself, it's they're like, I've I've lost the respect of my team. I um, and they blame me for all kinds of stuff that's not yeah. really in my control. But it, a lot of it is like we lack culture. We oh, lack yeah. this uh, this is the way. This yeah. is how Stackhouse does business. Yeah. And that is the culture aspect. That's what we're trying to bring in. And we're trying to set a blueprint for people. We get noticed because of our unique facility. We're going to utilize that and capitalize on that attention. We're already producing good quality flour. However, I'm not naive. A lot of people can produce really good flour. There's, you guys produce great flour. Every grower that wants to and if they put in the work, which it might not be the first time, but they can grow amazing plants. This is not a rocket science job. To do it at scale and to keep a team involved and keep success and pass rates of testing, that becomes more tricky. In well, and the growing part is one part, right? It's like, yeah. can you also be really good at drying, curing, packaging, preservation? Compliance. Yeah, but, you know. I, I'm talking about four pillars of cultivation. Like to be really successful, you have to have quality, quantity, consistency, and efficiency. Yeah. And if you can hit all four of those pillars time and time again, yeah. right? That's, that's the key to success. Yeah. But the culture is a big part. I mean, not to be too much of a suit myself, but I'm a numbers guy. I like it's, I love the plant. I'm a biologist by trade, but we also have to make it a profitable business. And when you look at the cost of production, labor is the highest cost of producing a pound of cannabis. And how can you do that in a more efficient way? Well, one of the best ways is to have your team love what they do, enjoy the culture of coming to work. They end up being more productive and your costs go down. And just instilling a good culture is more than, you know, it, it actually just helps the entire business ecosystem yeah. at the end of the day. Of course. I mean, happy employees. Like it. Yeah. I love because there's an energy we all are aware of, you know, whether you're woo woo hippie and energies, everything, or you don't believe much of it. There's an energy that's presented by people interacting. If your team has negative energy, of course, that's going to affect the plants. It's going to affect them. I've worked at facilities where I've seen cultivators spend 20 to 30% of their brain capacity so worried about how that manager is going to walk through that door and what kind of day they're going to bring them that they're messing up because their focus, their focus isn't on doing their work because they're so worried about the energy and the stress and how it can be. And that's also what I believe around a plant. If it's around an environment where people are just constantly, they're just not happy. Like it, I believe it'll show that, that. correlation between employee well-being and mentality and plant health is really correlated. If you have crop after crop of just botrytis or powdery mildew, I mean, the labor spikes big time because everybody's moving yeah. slow. Everyone's frustrated. 
nobody wants to breathe in that stuff. So it just starts to cause like this compounding issues on labor. But the moment you you fix that problem, maybe you even have a new variety. Sometimes people just get burnt out on yeah. a cultivar, and all of a sudden you give them something new to trim. Oh, they're excited. Or if it's like you know beautiful, all of a sudden the labor efficiencies tick up. People are in a better mood. Yeah. It's tough. It's it's hard to control all these things at once. Yeah, it is, and it. Uh... I like to be transparent. I like to, my team knows what I do. My team knows a lot of our numbers. My team knows sometimes I'll even share our, what the power bill costs this month. You know, I think it's, I don't, there's nothing, you know, proprietary about these things. Everyone knows like- invested in the process. And it makes them realize like, whoa, there are so many more steps to all these things, the relationships we have to create. Um, and then two, the, back to the energy, this is the, best job in the world for me I love it I still can't believe that I get paid to do this I love it and that I mean mostly from top down it should go that way is I've seen it time and time again passion is contagious and so is energy my team comes in and they have someone who's in charge of this thing and they and I mean I'm not 100% all the time I get tired because I work a lot, but I'm you're you're a dad. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so it's just I get spread pretty thin. But when they come up to me and they're like, Oh, sorry to bother you. No, you're not a bother. This is a job. Like, what's up? Like, this is awesome. Let's freaking do this thing. Let's make something awesome. Like, or questions with that. And two, you list you got to listen to people like whether their ideas are valid, or you have a trimmer coming from left field giving you something you're like, how did you even come up with that? You know, still don't make them feel stupid. Like, cause then they're, they're going to feel like that and not feel valued. Like, and you got to have a team that feels valued because they are valuable without your team. These gardens don't work as much as the big money likes to think that you can automate things, uh, quickly, real quickly. A perfect example is uh, a machine trimmer. I'm not knocking machine trimmers. There's an absolute place and a purpose for a machine trimmer what we are trying to target with our flower and the kind of boutique quality of it. Um, and we don't get, this isn't a clout thing, but we don't get much B grade. And so we don't really want a trimmer in that sense because we want to keep that, that hand trimmed to it. Yeah. But when the owner sees, hey, let's just buy a trimmer, that's a couple thousand, few thousand dollars and we're good. Yes, but no. Now we need technicians who can are going to need to be paid more because they need to know how to work this equipment. You have to clean it. And that's the biggest thing is people don't realize equipment has to be clean. Uh, mostly post harvest equipment. You can't just keep dumping your stuff. We test for aspergillus here. You run one bud that has aspergillus and it just goes through there and gets all those blades. And now you could lose, you could fill pounds and pounds. Now you're 1800, dollar a pound crop goes to two to four. Shifting gears a little bit, tell me or tell our audience a little bit about your kind of mother veg clone setup through PIP because awesome. it's kind of unique and we're yeah. big advocates for double stacking mothers as well. Yeah. So that's been critical for our space. Um, you know, we now have like the, the oh no worries, uh, it's like 1300 square feet or something in that room. But with the two racks, um, it gives us, yeah, we've got all the room we need mostly to fill what we have here we it's been kind of a play on how we structure that and the racking system has been critical for us to be able to play for our load now we've got it set down you saw it we're still kind of 
sorting out some of our phenotype genetics and stuff. So we've had some mixed stuff down on the lower, but typically we'll have our whole lower set up for those one gallons that you sell all the empty tables. Those will be loaded in. They need a little bit more humidity from that, our broom layout stratification, but the pit racking's been amazing. Um, not even just saying it because you guys are here. I've had <laughs> other racking where you've got to get, like the one racking I was at at the facility before, um, I'm not weak, but it was an effort to get yeah, these. Sure. Typically it was two people would have to grab these things on metal caster wheels, just weighed a ton. On like a V-groove track yeah, or something? Just a ton. Yeah, just the, the triangle. Uh, yeah, you're, you're running a pretty cool mixed nursery layout where you have a whole wall of clone racks. Mm -hmm. And then you, most of your moms you're keeping on the upper tier. Yeah. And then all of your veg plants down below and then rotating it through. And, and what's it's really cool is you can utilize that mixed use nursery for pheno hunting with mm -hmm. these VFUs a little bit easier. Yeah. Because you can keep those phenotypes in, in its own little environment to maximize, yeah. you know, its expression. Well, and it just, I've, the facility I was managing before had a very small mom and prop room yeah. to where we, which I'm grateful for now because it helped me really dial in reflipping my genetics. You know, we're cloning for mom. So we clone 10, transplant the best five, keep the best three, and you do it over and over again to keep your genetic there until you want to pull from it up, pot it into five. Yeah. And again, the, that chess game, well, if we're going to take, you know, 400 cuts of Shake Shack or something, I best be getting on that a couple months and, and you know, before and make sure I've got a few five gallons ready to go that are going to produce a hundred cuts each or so. So you also did something that's interesting that I'm seeing actually a little bit more of. And, you know, I think all growers go through this stage early on is like, you know, let's say you started with a five gallon pot in flower mm -hmm. and then you transition to a three after you realize just how much substrate and how yeah. heavy it is and all this stuff. And then you really start evaluating your root mass and you're like, wow, it's really not quite as full as I was hoping for. Um, and then the three gallon people go down to a two and then every now and then the two gallon people go down to a one gallon and you're one of you're yeah. one of about three facilities I've seen in 2023 that are flowering successfully in a one gallon. Yeah, it was uh, a little bit of that like the facility before I was in a five gallon root pouch pot and just that was not by my choice. Um, it was just way too much way too overkill for the duration, I like to put my mom still in a five gallon. I give them a lot of time. It also is strategic for my watering, for my cultivators, trying to think about them. You know, if we have even those big five gallon pots, if that thing gets real big, it's going to take two waterings a day. So there's a lot of the watering strategy in the pit on the racking in mom room for when we up pot two to try to buy time for, you know, more important work to be done. All right, this one's getting a little big, so let's pot it. Now we can water it every other day for the next week, and then we're going to go to one watering, and by then we'll be cycling it through and continuing to do it that way. Uh, but we are, yeah, we're flowering in a 3.8 liter um, fabric pouch. That was mainly kind of because I want, I need my plants to stay somewhat small. Um, we're seeing not really a lot of root problems because it is fabric, but on one strain, uh, sugarcane we saw some gutation towards the end yeah. and that typically is that root pressure and I, I imagine it's because it's fairly root bound towards the end there um, that's in-house in-house genetics yep slurricane. yep slurricane and platinum cross and it's 
just stunning. Our THC came out a little low on some of the pheno hunts. We also are working with some moisture. Our moisture and our testing was still a little high and you know, still moisture is equated. Yep, and so again, there's that dance of how, if we don't wanna to go too dry here in Nevada, because that's one of the biggest complaints as having access to Treehouse, our dispensary over the last year or two, I've tried a lot of flour and it's not always the, the brand's challenge because it could go into a vault at a dispensary that's 20% humidity and hot, you know? Um, and so, yeah, dry, dusty, crumbly bud is something you're, it's a little too common in Nevada. Well, you're trying to pull down, I think most states require a moisture content lower than 14% to actually submit. 15, okay. And, and for people listening, it's a game where the higher the moisture content, you have more sellable weight, yeah. right? On your, on your books, but then the, the more you dry it back, lower moisture content, it tests higher yeah. on a lab test because you have less water per gram to dilute that dilute percent THC. Yeah. And so for here, I would suspect you're, you're wanting to actually chop at as high of a moisture content as you can because as it sits on that shelf, it's going to start dropping. Yeah. But it's going to test lower. Exactly. So it's a vicious game you're playing. And that's where I so. like to environments are important across the board you never stop worrying about your environment until it's in the customer's hand then it's yeah. their challenge you know <laughs> if i were to have a choice it would sit in a nice 40 to 50 percent humidity and 65 degrees till the moment you grabbed it you know yeah. at the shop and everything and we try to do that here our dry rooms uh of oh, course okay. the trim room though um for example we had a couple rainy days well i walk into my trim room and i'm like team does anyone notice how stinking thick it is in here like no is it a problem i was like look at the hygrometer it is 70 percent humidity in that room because we have recirculation too so it doesn't strip as much and it's just that one it's like this is this is not good so yeah we bring a dehu in and and we manage our rooms through the vault like the vault is climate controlled humidity you know we we either supplement or decrease and so yeah it's uh you got to, it's the full package. It doesn't ever stop, you know. Yeah, we touched base on that a little bit earlier and it was like, people don't realize that indoor buildings have seasonality. It was like you were highlighting, well, there's a bay door over there and it's south facing and guess what? This whole fertigation room will heat up if we don't, you know, have this solution in yep. place. And so sometimes people think, oh, it's indoor, so it's all protected and it should be very consistent. But depending on where you're at, especially when you start talking about desert climates mm -hmm. and we get these extreme, you know, winter to summer differences, yeah. it, you might have to adapt or change your building uh, or how your internal climate is in even yeah. ancillary spaces just to maintain the shelf. in your VFUs or in the other room, it's gonna yeah. change seasonally. You're going big time. In Nevada, we have, like you said, we have such dramatic swings. We don't, you know, it's, it's, it's pros and cons to every space. Like we have fairly dramatic swings, we have the drive, but also we don't have the bug issues because not a lot of stuff can survive this place. So. You know, but there are still plenty. Like I, I have a lot of plants at my house. Um, this year, my zinnias are just getting decimated by thrips and um, and just whatever else, but it's, so they're not, not present, but they're a little less active typically. We've had a, a very strong El Nino, El Nino year this year, which throws things into different whack, like that rain episode. Well, now where I'm usually trying to keep that dry back there, 
Now they trimmed for a day almost in 70% humidity. Now I'm actually kind of worried because now it's too wet. It's like it's re-moistening. Very much so, yeah, because it just went from a 45, 50% dry room and it was kind of a longer, like one, it wasn't the first cut that was uh, trimmed. So it hung in there, it's got it, and then it went back in there, hydrated, went in turkey bags. And when I burped those bags, like, yeah, this is wet, you know. But it, we burped it, burped it, did two-day burpings, got it, passed testing and stuff. So we were happy about that. Everybody should have some portable dehues for rolling into different exactly. spaces from time to time. Yeah, Playing electrical for it, be able to pull them into spaces. Big time, thank you. Yes, people, uh, if you have the ability to structure these facilities from the development stage, you have to have redundancies and you have to have variants for your power supply. Um, a shop vac, when you first plug that shop back in, can be nine amps, you know, yeah. like, and that can pop breakers quick. And um, yeah, that can be a real headache if you're running extension cores all over the place trying to find something that won't pop. <laughs> I know it's a never ending conversation and we could go on for a long time, but. Uh, my last question for today, and I hope that we can continue to do these yeah. as we come to Vegas yeah, too, but um, where can people find your product? And you highlighted Treehouse a little bit more, but can you tell, tell us a little yeah. bit more about Treehouse? So, yeah, thanks for that. Um, so Treehouse is our dispensary. It's just on uh, Decatur and Harmon in Las Vegas, so it's not too far from the Strip. We're a smaller shop that services locals mainly, um, but we're trying to build our, our footprint here. Stackhouse has been the brand that we we're looking to, to tie it to, and it's been a long time coming. This has been a little bit overdue um, for supporting the, the shop. So we will have exclusivity at that shop on a lot of Stackhouse products. When we do Fino releases, stuff like that, we've got some really cool partnerships in play. Um, right now, we're talking with John Carlos, who does Migars. Um, we're talking with a couple uh, labs in Nevada that are very, that produce some awesome work. And so we uh, are looking to launch Stackhouse the 1st of October. So nice. we have product now, we're doing some house brand release. Um, right now, like we're bagging up that sugar cane, um, trying to get it out to our shop. It's just gonna be done under white label, under Nevadalistic shop or treehouse. And our jars, packaging, everything's getting lined up. We're getting ready to do a pretty big launch party in October. We'll send you guys a name nice. right out if you want to come yeah. in. And it must be exciting, man. It's, it's been a long road to get there. And now to actually see the product in a branded jar yeah. on your shelf and have the ability to release your phenos to the customers to get yeah. feedback, that must be very fulfilling. It's a, it really is a dream. I'm from Utah, born and raised in Utah. I was raised in Mormon culture. So just to be, to create this brand from, scratch and just have the opportunity to seize and put the work in because it's been an ungodly amount of work to get sure. here but um but i love it and that's why i continue to do it and that's I, you know growing is not for everyone it's not a job most people want to be honest it's a job i want and i tell people find that job whatever it is i was making 10 bucks an hour scrubbing pots by the railroad tracks Sounds like a joke. In a van. Yeah. Almost, man, almost. A beat up CRV. Um, the, uh, but because I loved it and because the plant saved my life, this plant means everything to me. And this plant is medicine and it needs to be treated like that. It needs to be, 
the focus needs to be on the plant, not the dollar. The dollar is important. We have to have, like, it, this is a business. However, if you produce a quality product, the rest falls in line a lot. You treat your team right, you produce the best flour, have a brand that has culture and passion. We are run and operated by growers who have put in the work. No one here is anyone's family, you know. This is, this is our passion and we're looking to set a new blueprint to show a lot of these new brands that are coming in and gobbling up states with big money that there's a place for them just as there is a place for Anheuser-Busch in the craft brewing conversation. You know, there'll always be the need for that big, big corporate stuff. But just like craft brewing, there's people want good quality cannabis and they're willing to spend a couple more bucks to do it. And we're seeing flour, you know, the demand for flour is slowly increasing. It's kind of been a mixed thing with concentrates and vapes and all that stuff. But the flour, you know, good flour, when people can find it now, it's kind of, it's kind of that golden ticket. Yeah, it's yeah. beet flour. It's always be the number one selling product, I think, in my opinion. Yeah, well, it sets the bar for all the derivative products anyways. Yeah. I mean, sometimes you can take kind of lower quality stuff and make something a little bit better out of it, but typically... You can't hide behind a nug. You, you got your nug, you get to see the structure, the density, the development, trichome, the nose. You know, it's an experience and it should be. That's what we're looking to do at Stackhouse is we want your, we want to produce cannabis, quality cannabis, because that's what it's about, it's about the flower. Well, I will say thank you so much for having us today. Your energy definitely emanates throughout your team and thank this you. facility. Yeah. And you have a very cool and chill vibe and you've been a very good host for us, letting us come in. Yeah, we appreciate it. And hopefully we can see you after those kids go to bed, maybe right? one of these nights yeah, this week. Do it. We'll I know together. you guys are in town and I'm sure you'll be back for MJ BizCon. And Absolutely. Let's keep the conversation up and uh, yeah. yeah. I'd yeah. love to come back and then see the progression of this facility and see some where you finished flower smoke some. Yeah. With you. I've got some for you. <laughs> so uh, too, let me say thank you to Pip and the team. They, you guys, gave us a lot of support through some really challenging obstacles we dealt with, with, uh, with the county and stuff, doing some building. Um, and also too, your support you've given us on social media and Instagram. Um, yeah, we really appreciate it. You guys have been really awesome. And we love the racks. Again, that drive mechanism is unsurpassed. It's smooth as butter. Yeah, we're and it's Thank interesting because Pip you know, sometimes is perceived as like this big corporation. And like at the end of the day, like I would say that we're like a family feel company. And we yeah. actually authentically care about the success of our customers. And so it's not just about making a sale, but also watching you be successful. And we've seen what success and failure looks like with our customers and our own personal experiences. And we're not, we're transparent as well. So yeah. that's all, to us, it's all about sharing that information so that, you know, if you're dealing with something, I hope that you ring us up and say, hey, I'm thinking Absolutely. about doing this. Have you guys ever seen anyone do this? Or have you done this? And we can say, yeah, we've seen that. And here's, you know, three of the outcomes that can happen. And here's what the end solution look like. And maybe just help our customers and our partners accelerate faster to of the goals course, that they're yeah. getting to without spending a bunch of headache yeah. and pulling out hair. No, and it's it really is. They those racks have been awesome, and uh, your team like it. We're yeah, very grateful to be in the mix. And and two, I can tell that about you guys because you provide equipment that's quite simple. You know, it's 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 very effective, but you haven't overcomplicated something to where your structure of a business becomes.
Or selling you on stuff that you don't need too, right? There's a lot of overbuilt stuff out there and it's like- Yeah, there is a lot of that. There's, and it's gaining more and more. To what I like is you you provide a solution that is accessible, but not overcomplicated. Um, that's what I really do love about your guys' racks is it is just a play on what already exists. We've talked a lot about European um, horticulture and, you know, we as cannabis has borrowed a ton from the Dutch and all of the large scale flower industry and all that. And that's what I like. I, uh, we had mentioned the last thing to finish, I guess, is it's important to be a grower. Cannabis is not and like, it, it's just another avenue. It's another plant. It, it's not unique. Um, you can grow cannabis. It doesn't mean, yeah. You can still grow tomatoes. You can grow succulents. It's like good you, to. If, you, if you're more than just a cannabis grower, you have the confidence to really pull these levers, change things, and and push forward. You yeah. know, and I think that's what we try to do. Pip, like right off screen, you know, we have our product manager, Dell. He leads product development and design at our of all of our products, and he works primarily with growers. You know, like he talks to growers, to me, to Michael, and it's we're learning from guys like you. Yeah. And we're taking it and translating it to guys like him to try and make better products continually for the future, really to facilitate yeah. agriculture, you know, and horticulture. It's all about communication. Yeah. That's and learning. Is. It's always learning. Yeah. It really awesome. Is. All right. We'll do it again. Appreciate you guys. Thank you very much. Thank you. <laughs> Crushed it. Really. Thank you. Yeah. So awesome. I appreciate it. You're no, natural. I'm telling you, <laughs> cannabis is too easy, man. No, I know. It's okay. It's a never-ending conversation, and when you get in. the focus needs to be on the plant not the dollar the dollar is important we have to have like it, this is a business however if you produce a quality product the rest falls in line a lot you treat your team right you produce the best flower have a brand that has culture and passion we are run and operated by growers who have put in the work no one here is anyone's family you know this is this is our passion and we're looking to set a new blueprint to show a lot of these new brands that are coming in and gobbling up states with big money that there's a place for them just as there is a place for anheuser-busch in the craft brewing conversation you know there will always be the need for that big big corporate stuff but just like craft brewing there's people want good quality cannabis and they're willing to spend a couple more bucks to do it and we're seeing flour, you know, the, the demand for flour is slowly increasing. It's kind of been a mixed thing with concentrates and vapes and all that stuff. But the flour, you know, good flour, when people can find it now, it's kind of, it's kind of that golden 
Take it. Yeah, it's yeah. beet flour. It's always be the number one selling product, I think, in my opinion. Yeah, well, it sets the bar for all the derivative products anyways. Yeah. I mean, sometimes you can take kind of lower quality stuff and make something a little bit better out of it, but typically... You can't hide behind a nug. You, you got your nug, you get to see the structure, the density, the development, trichome, the nose. You know, it's an experience and it should be. That's what we're looking to do at Stackhouse is we want your, we want to produce cannabis, quality cannabis, because that's what it's about, it's about the flower. Well, I will say thank you so much for having us today. Your energy definitely emanates throughout your team and thank this you, facility. Yeah. And you have a very cool and chill vibe and <laughs> you've been a very good host for us letting us come in. Yeah, we appreciate it. And hopefully we can see you after those kids go to bed, maybe right? one of these nights yeah, this week. Do it. We'll I know together. you guys are in town and I'm sure you'll be back for MJ BizCon. And Absolutely. Let's keep the conversation up and uh, yeah, I'd love to come back and then see the progression of this facility and see some where you finish flower smoke some. Yeah, with you. I've got some so, yeah. <laughs> so uh, too, let me say thank you to Pip and the team. They, you guys, gave us a lot of support through some really challenging obstacles we dealt with with uh, with the county and stuff, doing some building, um, and also too your support you've given us on social media and Instagram. Um, yeah, we really appreciate it. You guys have been really awesome. And we love the racks. Again, that drive mechanism is unsurpassed. It's smooth as butter. Yeah, we're and it's Thank interesting because Pip you know, sometimes is perceived as like this big corporation. And like at the end of the day, like I would say that we're like a family feel company. And we yeah. actually authentically care about the success of our customers. And so it's not just about making a sale, but also watching you be successful. And we've seen what success and failure looks like with our customers and our own personal experiences. And we're not, we're transparent as well. So yeah. that's all, to us, it's all about sharing that information so that, you know, if you're dealing with something, I hope that you ring us up and say, hey, I'm thinking Absolutely. about doing this. Have you guys ever seen anyone do this? Or have you done this? And we can say, yeah, we've seen that. And here's, you know, three of the outcomes that can happen. And here's what the end solution look like. And maybe just help our customers and our partners accelerate faster to of the goals course, that they're yeah. getting to without spending a bunch of headache and pulling out hair. No, and it's it really is. They those racks have been awesome, and uh, your team like it. We're yeah, very grateful to be in the mix. And and two, I can tell that about you guys because you provide equipment that's quite simple. You know, it's 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 very effective, but you haven't overcomplicated something to where your structure of a business becomes. Or selling you on stuff that you don't need too, right? There's a lot of overbuilt stuff out there, and it's yeah, there is a lot of that. There's and it's gaining more and more to what I like is you you provide a solution that is accessible but not overcomplicated. Um, that's what I really do love about your guys' racks is it is just a play on what already exists. We've talked a lot about European um, horticulture and you know we as cannabis have borrowed a ton from the Dutch and all of the large scale flower industry and all that. And that's what I like. I uh, we had mentioned the last thing to finish, I guess, is it's important to be a grower. Cannabis is not and like it, it's just another avenue. It's another plant. It, it's not unique. Um, you can grow cannabis. It doesn't mean, yeah, you can still grow tomatoes. You can grow succulents. It's like good to. If, you, if you're more than just a cannabis grower, you have the confidence to really pull these levers, change things, and and push forward. You yeah. know and. I think that's something we try to do, Pip, like right off screen, you know, we have our product manager, Dell. He leads product development and design at our of all of our products. And he works primarily with growers, you know, like he talks to growers, to me, to Michael, and it's, we're learning from guys like you yeah. 
And we're taking it and translating it to guys like him to try and make better products continually for the future, really to facilitate yeah. agriculture, you know, and horticulture. It's all about communication. Yeah. That's and learning. Is. It's always learning. Yeah. It really awesome. is. All right. We'll do it again. Appreciate you guys. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Cultivation Elevated. Full show notes for each episode, which includes a summary, key takeaways, quotes, and any resources mentioned, are available at pithorticulture.com forward slash podcast. Be sure to follow and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you're enjoying the content and getting value from these episodes, please leave us a rating and a review at ratethispodcast.com forward slash cultivation elevated. We'll be sure to read these out on future episodes.